0: Hey there, getters! Thanks for tuning into this episode of We Got Goals. My name is Maggie, and I am one of the co-hosts on the podcast. Today, I had the chance to talk to Steve Umberger, who is my dad and also a professional theater director. He has been that his entire life, and he has recently, in the last couple of years, taken a turn to doing work that doesn't stop with the theater, that it continues to create conversation around some pretty big topics in society today. And I've loved watching that journey that has, you know, started in Charlotte, North Carolina, but has really started to reverberate. And uh, he's worked with the homeless population and the aging population for the past two years in a way that has lent itself to starting to create documentary style work and started to be um, purchased by universities who want to to tell that story and to start that conversation. And it's been inspiring to see from afar. So I wanted to interview him about that goal of to take a conversation that is something no one wanted to have and to bring it to the forefront. Um, He talks about the homeless problem in Charlotte as being a problem that has um, no face to it, that people skate around it, they push it to the corner, they don't want to talk about it. And so he confronts the issue head on by quite literally interviewing and creating a script around seven homeless individuals, stories and lives, and then didn't stop there, but put them on stage and had a full house of an audience come in to see the production and then host a, a talk back afterwards. And then he produced an entire documentary on that experience of two years of interviewing these individuals about their lives and their journeys. What he found was that above all, community resonates with everyone and the power of a community is unlike anything else. It's something we talk about at A Sweat Life all the time, something we have our firm foot in the ground on. And it was really cool to see him... And to hear him talk about the exact same thing, but in a very different context. And so it's inspiring to know that no matter what your calling is, what your passion is, if you open yourself up to the power of a community to not only surround yourself with, but to lift you up, big things can happen. And so this is my interview with Steve Umberger about those two specific stories, but really about the power of community at large. So I hope you enjoy.
1: Here yeah, I said I'll be on the road. I'll be back. I'm just reaching for a goal.
0: All right. Welcome listeners to the podcast. Thanks for stopping in. I have the great pleasure of sitting next to Steve Umberger, who is my dad. I'll just get that out of the way and say that we don't have a last name coincidentally the same, but uh, you're my dad, Steve, and you for my entire life have been a theater director. Uh, You were the first owner and operator of the only professional theater company to exist in Charlotte, North Carolina, Charlotte Repertory Theater. Uh, And you've done a lot of plays throughout your life, uh, which I can't wait to get into talking to you about. But particularly, I'm excited to have you on this podcast because of the theme that has existed for us on the We Got Goals podcast for the last quarter, uh, which is contributing generously. And I think We're going to get into some really interesting conversations about where you're taking theater and the medium of theater to start big conversations around some big topics. Um, So thank you for joining me.
1: I'm looking forward to talking about it all.
0: (laughs) Uh, So I know, and for the listeners at home, um, I have been able to visit whenever I come home to Charlotte uh, from Chicago to see a lot of the works that Steve has created throughout the years, and so something that he's doing now is working with two specific populations that are underrepresented, the aging population and the homeless population, and not just underrepresented, but almost kind of pushed to the corner because we don't want to talk about it.
1: Marginalized.
0: Marginalized. So I want to hear first from you, your journey to choosing to start creating works about, These two groups, I want to get into a lot of it, but specifically how your past of working in theater has led you to want to do this work now.
1: Well, the first thing I'll say is after doing about 250 stage productions, I was interested in doing something a tiny bit different, shall we say. And I was also interested in exploring Real lives, real stories with real people. Sometimes when you're in the arts, in theater or in film, sometimes you feel like you're preaching to the choir because there's an automatic audience that appreciates those arts. And sometimes you get the feeling that you would like to preach to a different choir or preach outside the choir, to have a more direct impact, shall we say, on some of these topics. So after having done lots of plays for those audiences that love live theater, I became interested in documentary kind of work, meaning real people, and trying to combine the experience of real people and their words, their lives, with stage production. So it's not an uncommon thing, documentary theater, quote unquote, is a thing that exists. But I had not seen the kind of work that I was envisioning in my mind. And I didn't know quite what that was, but I was interested in exploring it. So a couple of years ago, I just said to myself, I'm going to have to stop doing what I'm doing in order for the new thing to evolve. Because like any of us, you get into the groove that you're in and you're in it for good reason, but sometimes you're in it and it grows around you and it's not as easy to find something new, to exercise new muscles. So I said I was going to stop directing plays, which I did. And I was lucky to be able to do that. And when I did that, I just asked the universe I had no idea how I was going to do this, but I asked the universe for these things, which was to create documentary work and do something a little bit different. And then these two projects that I've worked on for the past two years dropped into my lap. I know it's not quite that simple because I do think that the universe gives you what you what you need and what you call fun.
0: Well, okay, so I wanna pause because that is a a point of differentiation among a lot of our guests on the podcast that when we talk about goals, because this in general is a conversation around goal setting, and then we kind of stem from there. And I think talking to you, it sounds like you're of the mindset of manifestation and letting things unfold. Um, But I also know you are very driven. So you want to you had a specific vision. It wasn't just like, show me universe what I should do next. You knew something very specific, but also you were open to, you know, the wind blowing a lot of different ways.
1: Yes. Because I did not know exactly what form it was going to be. I was interested in the impulse, a very strong impulse to do some sort of documentary work on stage. And I was interested in, Leaving enough space and time for the fullest, richest idea, manifestation of that, Mm -hmm. to develop. So it wasn't that I didn't have a goal for it. I definitely did have a goal, but I did not know what form that was going to take. So I wanted to really let that cook and simmer and let the best possible form of that develop.
0: And do you think that that vision of yours or that goal of yours to start working in more different types of mediums and sharing different stories through theater, but incorporating more than just live production, um, which we'll get into more of what that ended up looking like in just a second, do you think that was a personal goal of your own or it was a call to answer what potentially community and society needed in order to invest themselves in theater again?
1: It's some of each, but I have to say in the last couple of years, I became aware that the world that we know has sped up. It's more complicated. I know every generation probably feels like that's true, but I think we have reached a sort of a critical mass. And I think communications, I think all aspects of life have become very fast and very full. And I think people long for and really appreciate some real perspective on their lives. And I don't think a lot of professions allow that to happen. I think you get on the track and you go, go, go. The arts are some of the few professions that encourage that kind of perspective. Mm -hmm. So I really thought that there was an opportunity for live performance, because there's nothing like live performance. Film is what it is, and people love it, and it's a great art form, but there's nothing like the immediacy of live theater. So I had felt that for 40 years on many different productions in lots of ways. So I thought, well, with what's going on now in the world with people feeling small or Mm -hmm. confused or just...
0: And more disconnected than ever.
1: Yes, complex and disconnected. That There was an opportunity for people to gather in the community of live theater, just as people find the strength of gathering in any community in fitness or whatever the group is, whatever that is. But in live theater, there is a real union between what's going on on stage, if it's strong, and what's happening in the audience. There's a commonality that begins to happen that literally can change you in lots of ways.
0: And you then took it a step further by creating an incredible lasting community among the people that you built these productions with. Wouldn't you say, I I feel it when I saw you know acting our age and call me by my name that not only was there a uh, initial kind of spark of me wanting to start a conversation about what I saw but also among everybody who wrote that story maybe you can just share a little bit more about this next phase of how yes this, these two groups one or the other first came to be
1: well yes once these two projects presented themselves they're came to be the period of exploration of how is this going to happen. And in the initial phases with both groups, we had six or seven people who were gathered around a table ready to take this journey. We None of us really knew what this journey was going to be, but we did know that it was going to be using their life stories to create a piece of theater that was going to be performed live and be developed over an extended period of time that turned out to be almost two years for both projects so that's a very very deep dive that is uncommon in people's lives let alone in the arts because the arts like everything else are economically driven and it's difficult to find funding for projects that are that extended so over those two years People can't help but become close Mm -hmm. because gradually, incrementally, they're sharing their life stories. They won't share as much in the beginning as they share as they go on and they gain confidence in themselves and they gain trust in the people around the table. It's really a microcosm of what can happen when a community comes together, Mm -hmm. when they come together and then they get to know each other and then they bond. That's exactly what happened. So, both groups in their different ways, and I like to say it was so interesting working with these two concurrently the homeless population and the homeful population. Mm-hmm. They were very different in so many ways because this group of older people were in a retirement community that they were basically set for life, they were just fine. The homeless population, of course, was a very different story. And yet there came to both of those groups came to be as tight together um, as a real family. and both of them shared many commonalities um, that you would not have expected. Hmm. People are people, regardless of their economic status. People are people regardless of their life circumstances, the common denominators began to reveal themselves in dynamic ways and very personal ways that made people even more invested in, each, in themselves and in each other.
0: So when you set out to create this project and you realized it would be long form and long term did you have a goal for it or were you willing to just see where it went
1: there had to be some of each with that when i look back on it i know that i had a real drive i had a thought about these stories being on stage And so that informs what questions I ask these people in the group sessions that we did over two years. So I was looking for real stories and I told them along the way, I said, you know, some of this is very personal stuff that I'm asking you to reveal. And at first they were hesitant and at various points, some of them said, well, okay, what if I'm not willing to tell you that yet? And I would say, well, you don't have to. You can tell me anything you want to tell me or not, but I will just tell you that the most interesting story is going to be created by the most difficult circumstances you have navigated. When you think about a play or a film, when you think about what you really have enjoyed, what's really been fascinating, what has involved you the most in a play or a film, it's usually people who have life and death kinds of problems, really important turning points in their lives that present themselves and then get resolved. So once people understood that that was the framework for it and they became more and more of a family, they became willing to share these things. And then they looked back on it in the latter phases of it and they thought, I can't believe that I've shared all this. And then right before we did these things for audiences, before we went public with them, they had moments of, you know, their hearts in their throats because they realized that they had spilled the beans, so to speak. But they were confident by that point we had become a strong unit and they were confident that their stories were worthwhile, that Somebody had asked them about their lives and that they had been validated in a way that had never happened. So they were confident in the possibility of the stories. Then, when we actually performed them, and both of these groups performed to full houses, which also made them incredibly nervous and incredibly excited. And then the response that the audiences gave them was so gratifying for them. Because all the audiences saw themselves in all those people's stories. So I've said, everybody has a story, and that story connects to everybody else's story. So it was a wonderful example of all that arc playing out in both of these projects.
0: And then I'll ask you, first I'll offer up the little tidbit to the listeners that you initially wanted to... You obviously wanted to interview real people, but you thought you'd have actors perform it. I did. And then you realized that would not pan out or that could not possibly give the same impact or offer the same potential that the real people had. So how did that kind of shift the whole arc of the the journey of this and probably for the better?
1: When I first went into these, I had built money into the budget four actors because when you go in with real people you just really don't know what's going to happen and particularly with the homeless population i had no idea if they would be willing to do it if they'd be capable of doing it just what that was going to be then at about the midpoint of both of the projects people became so comfortable telling their stories and participating that i began to have the idea oh i wonder i wonder if they would do this themselves. Then there was a phase where I would broach it with them. I would ask them, What do you think? And at first, they got white in the face. (laughs) (laughs) They said, Several said, Nope, absolutely not. And then over the next several weeks, they realized that they were hooked. I think they didn't really consciously know it, but then they realized that they were hooked and that they really could be on stage, something that they never had thought that they would do. There's this other dynamic that brings up this other dynamic of people being able to do things that they never expected that they could do, and to have the satisfaction of doing something like that. So after that midpoint, they became more and more comfortable, and then finally they said, okay, we'll do it. And by that point, they were in. They were totally in. Then it was a matter of, how do we do this? So there was some directing involved with them, just as there would have been with actors around the table. And because they were so invested in the material by then, in the whole project, they had a way of doing what they were doing and telling the stories that they were telling that would not have been possible if professional actors had done it and i said looking back on it that if other act if actors had done it rather than the real people it would not have had the impact that it had because even though there's not the versatility there's not the technical expertise there's not the vocal training all those things you would expect from an actor you have authenticity you have the real person telling about the time That they became homeless, and then what they had to do to walk down the street and find the support, find the people that they needed to ask, What do I do now? And you have that very person talking about how they climbed out of that situation. There's practically nothing like the authenticity. It's a little bit like when you watch a documentary and somebody is willing to let you into their lives. But this is a little different because. It's live theater, and we're presenting it from a stage. So it's not something that people really expect. There's a freshness about it that was really gratifying, I Mm -hmm. think, for everybody involved.
0: And part of the reason why I wanted to interview you is not only because the conversation that you started among the audience members, because there were talkbacks that happened among the cast on stage and the audience in the in the house, which right. probably did you know start a lot of great positive conversation in a real way that we just don't get anymore because we interact either with digital, like the news that you can't actually have a back and forth with. You just hear and then you make your own opinions and you go on with your day thinking those things right. rather than asking questions of each other. But also I think there's this kind of nagging feeling that a lot of people feel that want to do something good in the world, but there's so much to be done and there's so many issues to tackle and they're huge and they're daunting and there's no way one individual can impact everybody. And there there can be this sort of sense of helplessness about that. But what you did for how many people were in each cast?
1: One had six and one had seven.
0: So for 13 people, Over the course of two years, you and the rest of your team gave those 13 people a voice that had not had one and never thought they would have one. Yes, that's true. Like you told me about one of the people in the homeless group that came out of her shell and had confidence she never knew she would have. And I just don't know if I've had that kind of impact on anybody. And I I think we all, if we knew we could impact a small group of people in that way, we would do it rather than thinking, how can we change the whole world?
1: Yes. Yes. No, I I agree. That's one of the reasons why I really wanted to be involved in this kind of project to begin with, because I wanted to find out, for example, with the homeless project, I wanted to find out who that population is. You know, we hear so much about it. It's a problem. It's a growing problem. It's an impossible problem. But it's a
0: faceless problem. But
1: it's a faceless problem. I say, We've also done a documentary about that project. So this has multiple levels. We did it on stage, and then we made a documentary about the whole project. And in my interview, I say, um, the homeless problem is something you don't look at. It's something you pass by. It's something that is an amorphous thing that people really are uncomfortable approaching. And I wanted to confront that. I wanted to say, well, who is that population? I hear about this and I have impressions and stereotypes, but what is it? So sometimes all it takes is the willingness to look at it. What I found was not anything like what the stereotype was. The stereotype, like in any group, it exists in that population, but it is so much more than that. And anybody who has seen this documentary or the stage production We'll see that these people are resourceful, they're intelligent, they're creative, and they're very industrious. None of those words, I think, would people apply to the homeless community in general. If you really think about it, you'll think, well, people are people, and of course, they're going to be all those things. But there are some populations and some problems, like the homeless one, that people sort of don't consider on a real level they don't really take a look at it so that's one of the things that i think this project can do and for the aging community people have more of a sense now of the various colors and strengths of that community but still there's stereotyping that is involved and when you really look at this group you see three ninety-five 95-year-olds all the way down to 73-year-olds, and you will find within them dynamics that not only will you identify with, but that are amazing in terms of the strength and the imagination that they have used to navigate their lives.
0: So if we were to take a step back and, and you were to look at your career and the trajectory, the track of wanting to do theater because it's fun and it was your calling to wanting to create a professional company because a community, a a greater need for a society to have connection and then to then take that connection and start a conversation. Um, What is a goal that you've had that you're proud to say you've accomplished over this time? And why, why was that important to you?
1: I did sort of come in at birth with this desire. I've never wanted to do anything else. And from the youngest age, I was forcing babysitters to write and perform plays with me. And I was involved in school plays. It's always been my track. And I think we do think sometimes because we're called to it, you know, we're, we have intuition about it. We follow the dream, the spark, the whatever it is. And then it's only after you've done it and you look back on it that you can get some perspective on why you did it and what you got out of it. You know, the arts are so many different things and theater, for example, for a lot of people, theater is entertainment. Theater is musicals or tap dances, or, you know, it's a lot of things for me can involve those things, but it really is about a kind of um, human exploration. That doesn't have to be ponderous, doesn't have to be serious or dramatic, can be those things, often is those things, can be funny as well. But it is uh, an opportunity for a group of people, large or small, to come together in real time to look at human behavior. That's what it is. It's just a good story. How good is the story that we're watching? And if it's good enough, then it will inform you about some of the decisions you made. It will have a commonality. It will have a a way to spark your own thoughts about decisions that you have made. So to roll back around to your question, I think the answer is, I had a goal to do that without knowing That I had a goal to do it. Then, when I became aware of it, I was able to follow that path even a little more specifically. And this last phase of the last couple of years is another level of getting to that. So, it's really sort of hanging on to the dream in a way, it's sort of holding on to what it is you want, your impulse, your heart, which life doesn't make easy sometimes. You know, you have to really call on inner resources to do that. And you find your people. You know, you find your team. That's really what it is, just in the way that the projects themselves create family. The creation of the projects is only possible with your colleagues, with your friends, with your professional associates. And you have to find your flock, so to speak, that makes all of that possible.
0: I've never equated the phrase that we say all the time at a sweat life, which is everything is better with friends. But now that I think about it, (laughs) it's true. Like you have worked with the same lighting designers and set designers and stage managers over the course of like 40 years and not they've been on the same journey as you.
1: Well, I wonder if you have found the same thing that I've found, which is it's so much easier to work with people who are tried and true colleagues partners real partners because you have a shorthand you have a way of communicating that is you don't have to spend time reinventing that wheel not that you don't get something great out of brand new people because you're always looking for new people you're always looking for new energy you're always looking for new ways to enrich what you're doing but you know, when you have real partners who understand what it is that you're doing and can help you do it, then almost everybody you will find. I remember the film director Sidney Pollack, who directed Out of Africa, lots of things, um, very notable films and projects, um, said something similar about that. The, the shorthand makes it so easy to get further down the line just to get more accomplished. And I don't know, I would expect that most people in most businesses would say the same
0: thing. Mm -hmm. In their own way. Yeah. Yeah. It's surrounding yourself with the people who do the other jobs that you're not good at better than you. Yes. Finding the, the people that can counter you and challenge you, but also support you.
1: Well, that's a really important point because you can't do everything. And Part of your success is knowing what you're not good at and being able to cover all of those angles to have people that you really rely on to do their best.
0: And then when you look ahead at where you're headed or where these projects are headed in the future, do you know what those look like, what that looks like, or what you want to accomplish?
1: In the same way that I didn't quite know when we started Two years ago, exactly what it was going to be. Now I know a little more. Now I know more enough to think of more options, more varieties for this. It could involve in the future, this could involve groups of real people with actors. There are times when I thought about the aging community that it might end up being real actors playing their younger selves and the older versions talking to the younger versions. We didn't get into that territory. That's not the way it evolved. That was not the strongest choice for this one. But that's just one example of things that might happen. There's also a combination of stage work and film work. There could be more that happens on a screen behind them uh, about their lives. They could talk to themselves on screen These are all options, ideas that have evolved as a result of doing all this. Mm -hmm. But I think probably generally what I'd say is it's confirmed that this kind of documentary work on stage does have a place and that there's, I don't know if there's unlimited options, but there are many options um, to pursue this with lots of different communities of
0: people. Totally. So, I mean, so it's just the tip of the iceberg, really.
1: Yeah, it is.
0: So a two-part question, which may be the same answer from you, but when people who watch or consume this media see the live production of these stories, one or the other or both, what do you want people to ask themselves? Or is there anything you want people to get out of this? I guess a goal for the audience. I'll ask my second question after.
1: (laughs) I guess I would say empowerment to that. Because I don't think that people think of themselves as actors, certainly. And they don't realize until they see some reflection of it, what the value And the accomplishment of what they have done really is. And I think when you see a play or a film, you can recognize behavior. You can say, oh, that character, I've been through that kind of situation. But there's something different about hearing and watching real people, quote unquote, people who are not actors telling things about their lives that are very similar to your life because they're not dramatic in the same way that you would watch a crime drama where somebody is killed and the family has to somehow reconcile all that. It's not that kind of thing often. Sometimes it's the really small things, but the small things can be as heightened. Life is made up of small things. So when people see this, hear it, watch it, they automatically jump into those shoes and they feel empowered in some way that they never knew they could. All the responses that we heard from audience members were about how it reminded them of their families, of the decisions they'd made about their careers, about the children and how they'd raised the children, and those problems, those challenges. It brought it all into a really personal sense of belonging and, again, empowerment.
0: And it's empowering, too, to be able to have a real conversation with real people where you can almost like ask the source rather than hearing second party or third party perspective of what other people might need. It's like I'm thinking specifically about, I think it's one audience member, you can correct me if I'm wrong raised their hand at the end of the production called Call Me By My Name, which is of the homeless population. And they said, what do you need? Mm -hmm. You know, It was like, I want to help. What do you need? And the answer wasn't just hand out food on the street.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah, it's not to hand out food on the street. (laughs) I mean, food is a way to mask it, to mask the problem is what we found out. There's a lot of food on the street. I think that's what people, one of the things people don't understand is that the homeless population often does not have a problem finding food.
0: They need affordable housing.
1: They need affordable housing. They need a place, as one of them says in the script. We need a physical location with walls and doors and windows, something that we can help ourselves to get back on our feet. We need transitional help with. Employment, with training, with sometimes the basics of life. They all talk about how life has become so difficult for them that they need retraining in things like writing checks, in maintaining a bank account. Some of the very simple things that you don't realize that they may not have known um, ever, but that in the stream of life,
0: It moves fast.
1: It does move fast. And those skills and those ways of doing things have become lost. Mm -hmm. So it's that they're, they're not asking for a handout. None of them that we dealt with are asking for handouts. They're asking for hands up. That's actually a line in the script.
0: Yeah. So then my second part of this question is more for you in having worked with both of the groups for two years you heard stories and you heard the, the making of what ended up being a powerful script that has a lot of nuggets of wisdom, uh, I'll call them, but you heard all the in-between too. So have you learned anything or, or lessons that they've taught you that it changes the way that you either, how you view goals or just life in general?
1: It confirmed for me something that I suspected that I really wanted to find out about, and this is going to sound silly because human beings are human beings, but the humanity in, for example, the homeless population is so strong that it was a revelation. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be for any of us, but it was a revelation and those people have become good friends. There's now a family dynamic to that that has been celebrated at Thanksgivings, Christmases, gatherings they stay in touch with each other. I stay in touch with them. You wish to be able to help them. That's not a quick process, but they're able to do things now and communicate in ways that they couldn't before. And so they're moving towards something that is going to be a little more stable and a little more lasting. It's going to shift their uh, experience in life. So Those things are things that you hope when you go into a new project, something like this. It's something I wanted to have happen, but I didn't realize it would happen in quite this way. I didn't realize the depth Mm -hmm. of that. And I would say that with both projects. It's only an experience like this. In live theater, you have to share your heart and your soul and your spirit. You share it amongst yourselves as you create it, and you share it with the audience. But that's essentially the same as any team.
0: I was just about to say, I don't think we've explored it to its fullest capacity, although I do think a sweat life does an incredible job of bringing people together over one semi-common idea that fitness can be the catalyst to something. But then what happens from that is all up to the people who show up for it. Yeah, Um, And I think... It just goes to show the power of giving people the space and the permission to let down some guardrails, some barriers, and to be vulnerable. There's a lot of like um, levels to vulnerability, but just to be open and permission to be yourself, where it, in most of our worlds, yeah. not just like the marginalized communities, but in for a lot of people, most of our worlds are a little guarded in some way. So just knowing that's the case, giving an outlet for it to be let down in some capacity a little bit of the time, just a smidge can probably open up doors for then all those people in the community to do that again. So then the the spiral effect happens.
1: That is an excellent point, Maggie, (laughs) Uh, because we all get through life with a, it's so interesting to me, we get through life with a sort of a construct, each one of us, that is individual. Do you know? Because life in its everyday quickness does not allow you to be very personal most of the time. You have to kind of get on with it, and you deal in superficial, hi, how you doing, I mean, you can be sincere, but it doesn't really call on you to um, be that personal. And so that it really is the strength of the arts. That's the strength of the arts and of true teamwork when you're able to show it all and everybody acknowledges it. And then you become stronger with the strengths and the weaknesses. And then you can begin to create something that is a lot bigger than the sum of its parts. Mm -hmm. Whether it's Sweat Life or it's the Homeless Project or it's any organization, I'm betting would tell a version of that same story.
0: For anybody out there who might be listening and wants to be a part of the creation of communities or the support of communities in a bigger way, do you have advice for people to... In their own way, I'm not saying start a a theater company, but like... No,
1: they should not start a theater company. (laughs) No, no, no.
0: But should... Is there there something that you've learned about how you might replicate this again or something that people might take as some advice to to break down some barriers for others?
1: Well, you have to be willing to just take a leap. That's all it is. Uh, It's not going to hurt you. (laughs) That's what you have to know. You don't know how much it's going to help you. But you have to be willing to take a little bit of a leap. And anybody who is thinking at all about anything, I know, has an idea that they haven't done or something they have not paid attention to. Some step they have not taken, or oh, they procrastinated, or they've resisted. A lot of times it's resistance. Uh, it's a comfort zone. But there's, there's not any harm that's going to come to you. Do you know what I mean? When you realize that it's really just psychological, it's only when you're able to just take that little leap and it could be little, you know, it's going, sometimes you don't have to participate. You know, with some of these projects, we had people come in who didn't stick with the project, but I said, please come in, be a part of it. If it's not for you, then it's not for you. Gradually, we formed the group that was the final group. But I wanted them to have the experience. So often you can have an experience where you don't have to go all the way, so to speak, but you can go a little closer to finding out. So any of those ideas you have about helping a community or finding out, it won't hurt you to go to a meeting. It won't hurt you to go talk to somebody. You don't have to do any more than you can do. But often you'll find yourself doing more than you thought you would do.
0: I love that. It's great advice to take away when the world can feel daunting to just start small and you don't know what kind of ripple effect you could have.
1: That's the only way you can start is small. That's the only way that anything big ever starts is small.
0: How can people find you uh, if they want to? Can they watch the documentaries yet?
1: I can't tell you ways yet. To do it, but there will be ways, and people can find me at steveumberger.com.
0: Thanks so much for being on the podcast, Steve. It was an honor to have you.
1: It was an honor to be had.
0: I'm just reaching for a goal. So don't be upset when I'm not a This podcast is a sweatlife.com production. And it's another thing that's better with friends. So please share it with yours. The best way to do that is to subscribe and then leave us a rating and a review in iTunes or Apple Podcasts. That way other goal getters can find the show. Special thanks to Jay Mano for our theme music. Thanks to our guest this week, Steve Umberger. Thanks to Ryan Deffitt for editing and an extra special thanks to you, our... Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for 2.49 dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon.